Hello everyone and welcome back to the F2 show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to look ahead to this weekend, we have Inside F2 writers Aaron Harper and Lawrence Griffin. We have sports car driver and Formula 2 commentator, the one and only Mr Alex Brundle with us. Coming up on the show then, Formula 2 heads to Spa this weekend for the first time since 2020. We take a look at what's to come this weekend. Is it crunch time for our championship rivals? Our panel discuss and we answer your questions ahead of this weekend. Okay, all of that to come then, but we have Formula 2 royalty with us for this episode of the podcast. Uh, how are you, Aaron Harper? <laughs> I'm very flattered to think to, to find that you think I'm royalty. I'm all right. It's been a long time without any racing. Well, I say any racing action. I've tuned into Formula E and uh, IndyCar. Well, I recorded the IndyCar because it was on unsociable hours. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to get back to Formula 2 uh, and where better than Spa-Francorchamps, a classic circuit. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Obviously, a really special guest on the show today, Lawrence Griffin. Uh, excited to uh, get the get the racing going again after the summer break. Yeah, absolutely. You keep mispronouncing Alex Brundle, though. Um, but <laughs> it's been a it's been a really really tense time over the summer, just waiting to get back into the racing, knowing that we've got a real battle on our hands for the championship. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you and me both looking forward to it. Alex, we'll we're, we're stop winding you up. Uh, I'm assuming you, you know, you're going with uh, you save the special guest until last, right? That's uh, that's what we do. I was look I was looking around my kitchen for the Formula Two royalty. Yeah. To be honest, I'm presumably they're in a cupboard somewhere. Um, yeah, great to be with you guys. Looking forward to to chatting through Spa. Uh, it's going to be an interesting race weekend, isn't it? Yeah, Alex Jakes was uh, fully booked for this evening. So, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, Alex is here. It is, it is great to have you uh, you with us. Uh, it's been a, it's been a while actually since we've uh, had you on the show, hasn't it? So um, yeah, how, how have you been? And uh, what what have you been what have you been doing? Obviously, you've got your own racing career as well, haven't you? How, how's the season going so far? Decent. We had a decent result in Monza, so the the bosses the bosses a little bit more happy with us. Uh, managed to drive the car to, to fourth place of around twenty LMP2s. So. Uh, yeah, going decently so far, but it's not about me, is it? It's about it's called Inside Formula Two. It's not Inside WEC. Um, so yeah, focused in on on um, viewing Spa from afar. I, I won't be doing the commentary for it. I'm uh, I'm otherwise booked. Uh, I'll be back in Zandvoort, but of course, keeping tabs uh, very very closely on all, on all the action. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about the season so far then, I mean, what, what have you made of the season so far? Have you obviously enjoyed commentating on it? And uh, has there really been any any standout drivers for you so far this season? It's been great racing. And there was a point of the season where, you know, there have been several points of the season where you thought, you know, Felipe Drogovic might just run away with it completely. Um, and And that's not really occurred um, throughout the middle stage. The, the other two drivers that are sort of still in the championship hunt have kept him very honest to the point where we've got a battle uh, through to the end of the season, which is very important. Um, I think that there are, beyond the top three, which would, you know, naturally impressive, but they're both in their second year in the championship. Um, they're, they're, they're delivering those consistent performances through the season. So naturally, not to exclude them, they are, impressive um i think we've seen imp- very impressive standout performances from from jack Doohan um on occasion and also a, a guy who really has impressed me but also confused me is a yumo iwasa and i think he confuses himself sometimes um he, he delivers these incredible qualifying and race performances drives off into the distance 
And then uh, other times it just doesn't seem to be working out for him. Uh, and I, I would imagine he wishes he could just bottle whatever he's able to achieve when he puts those, you know, six tenths clear of the field qualifying laps in and just replay it endlessly throughout the season. But it doesn't seem to be the case for him. Yeah, as you say, Bag is a talent and uh, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do over the next few rounds and uh, yeah, potentially going into next season as well. Okay, let's take a look at the championship standings ahead of this weekend. It's Felipe Drogovic who still leads the way, heading into the final third of the season, but he has the Frenchman breathing down his neck. Teo Porcher has closed the gap to within a feature race victory, meaning it's game on for the rest of the season. Logan Sargent is still the highest-placed rookie in P3. He'll be hoping for a strong end to the season. And what a season so far it's been for Enzo Fittipaldi. He moves into P4 in the standings last time out. Jehan Deruvla and Frederick Vesti round out the top six. And the team standings? ART take a healthy 43-point advantage going into the final few rounds after a mega points haul last time out in Hungary. Carlin are their closest challengers, but only a point separates them and MP Motorsport in P3. High Tech, Prima and Dams round out the top six. And as always, the full standings are available on our website, www.insidef2.com. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but Spa for me is one of my favourite circuits on, on the calendar. I love Spa. Uh, obviously missed it last season. Uh, but it's great to have it back on the calendar, isn't it, Lawrence? Absolutely. It's a, it's a real classic of a track it's a real staple of, of the calendar and always seems to produce exciting racing and produces a particular challenge for the drivers as well putting together a solid qualifying lap with such a long lap and so many high speed turns turns leaning into long straights where you can be losing time all the way down the straight if your exit isn't good enough that makes it such a, a knife edge for the drivers and so I'm really happy that Formula Two is going back to going back to Spa, and with some changes as well to make the track a little bit safer as well. Hopefully that will allow us to go racing without fear for anybody getting getting hurt around that track, which is the last thing we we want to see ever. Um, and so I think the the changes should help us enjoy it even more. And with Spa as well, there's the added uh, added into the mix is the fact that you can have some very changeable weather, as we saw last season with with Formula One. So perhaps it's a it's a good job that we that we missed Spa last season because who knows whether we would have had much racing there at all. But I'm I'm glad that we're going back and hopefully we can have some some exciting conditions, but not not too chaotic as we saw last year. Yeah, I, I looked at the forecast earlier and it does actually look like there's a bit of rain about, doesn't it? So uh, let's hope there's not a, uh, a repeat of the uh, the Formula One race last season. Uh, Lawrence has just touched on it there, Aaron. Obviously, a re-profiled re O'Rouge uh, with safety at the forefront of those changes. Uh, it, I mean, it was a change that, that had to be made, wasn't it? Uh, but it, it's, it's a good one, right? Yeah, any step in safety is a positive one because you don't want anyone getting heard. Okay, again. You don't want anyone getting hurt, as Lawrence said, uh, end of story. Um, we don't watch these events as spectators, as fans, hoping the worst for anybody. We want to see exciting racing. So a, a positive step in the fact that they've taken action because there's been three incidents over the last three years of that configuration and the combination of various cars going through this. We've had uh, uh, accidents with WEC. We've had a, a W Series accident. We've had Formula 2. There's been F1 accidents there over many years. So 
it was about time that they did something about it. And without having really seen too much of what they've done, I, I'm guessing, well, I know that they've widened the, the uh, runoff on the left and the bit on the right on the exit of Radion is a little bit tricky because of the landscaping, but they're doing the best they can, I suppose, having not been there to see it myself. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see. And, you know, purists, old school fans might say, oh, the challenge of Eau Rouge has been neutered somewhat, but, you know, the challenge remains the same. It's still a corner, a set of corners that you have to get right in the grand scheme of your lap. And there are so many other aspects to Spa that make it really, really important. You know, you've still got Blanchemont, which is a phenomenal corner, and that was changed after Luciano Berti's crash in 2001, and that's nearly 20 years ago, and it's still just as challenging, just as important as the rest of the lap. But Eau Rouge will still be important, just like every other corner. And I suppose, Alex, you're in a better position to give us a driver's perspective because it's uphill, it's a fast change of direction. You know, the car can go light, it can become unsettled. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when I raced there earlier on th this year, um, it, it was it was int it's interesting the changes that they've made. Um, the, the challenge of Eau Rouge changed when they took the walls away and the, and the grass and the gravel. Um, so it's the same challenge in terms of a corner as it previous as the previous tarmac uh, penned iteration was. Um, and I think you know I was I was spending some time with. Enzo, um, sorry, with Pietro Fittipaldi uh, recently. Actually, Enzo probably merits a, merits a, a mention in our previous segment as another driver who's been incredibly impressive through through the early stage of the year. Um, who, of course, had his power steering failure in a sports car in there a, a few years back, and the consequence and the uh, and the recovery. A guy who knows only too well how hard that corner can bite. Um, I think it's it, yeah, cars bouncing back onto the racetrack. Are, yeah, is unacceptable. And we've seen uh, various crashes in, in all sorts of sports cars and GT racing. The absolute worst thing uh, the imaginable, well, there are two terrible things that can happen to you in a race car. Firstly, you can hit a an articulated piece of machinery. That's, a, that's an absolute disaster. And we've seen some horrible accidents associated to that. Second thing you can do is stop in the middle of the track and be hit by another car, which is what we're talking about here. So, you know, uh, all credit to Spa, who've managed to not change the profile of Eau Rouge. There have been changes all around the circuit, actually, and it's something I really support. They bring uh, a lot of gravel back. Expect to see stoppages in, in the races more than we generally do. There's a lot of gravel very close to the track now. Um, so there will be drivers going off and stopping in, in the gravel. Uh, th they say that they said they weren't going to change the profile of the racetrack, but they have. The, the racetrack, particularly down at turn nine, has changed significantly. Um, and the drainage as well, if there are wet conditions, now they've put uh, the new turn nine in with a quicker option for bikes on the inside is really not quite, well, it certainly wasn't up to snuff when I uh, raced there earlier on in the year. So expect drama in wet conditions. Um, the track has definitely changed. Um, so it's worth a, a check-in on free practice if you don't normally watch it. Yeah, definitely. Really, really looking forward to it. Alex, what's, what's in your opinion, what's the most enjoyable and the most challenging part of the circuit? There's a very underrated section, which is uh, from the exit of uh, Pouin, the double left, through the Piff Paf chicane and into Stavlo, 
which has a lovely rhythm to it and is very technical as a driver you carry a lot of apex speed like spa is fantastic there's only one part of the, of the racetrack i don't really enjoy and that's uh the lincom chicane and then down into brussels the hairpin um it's a little bit fiddly but the rest is is just fantastic um and great for racing as well and that's why we like it it's a it's a circuit that the drivers enjoy it has that kind of epicness to it you feel like you've traveled the distance in a bit in a bit the same way as you do when you drive le mans uh the way that you don't when you drive uh somewhere like hungara ring you've very much circulated a racetrack when you've when you've driven the hungara ring when you drive spa you feel like you've covered the course if you know what i mean um which is a great feeling to have and uh yeah challenging for drivers challenging in terms of setup and challenging for teams i have to concur with you there alex sorry fraser i have to concur with you there i mean i've not driven spa like on the ground but from playing the formula one game when you get that section right it makes a huge difference to your lap time and it's also so easy to get it wrong if you run too wide on the exit of the chicane you can get a kick of oversteer and it's just puts your your entry off and you, you lose that apex speed and then you're carrying that speed all the way through Blanchimont and into the bus stop. Yeah, well, there's one of those places that they've actually added gravel now. So uh, there are there are watch watch closely when the when the circuit when the cars first run on circuit because some of the changes are very subtle but very critical to the way the racetrack is driven, and that's one of them. There's gravel now on the exit of the Piffpaff chicane. So where you used to be able to escape wide, have a bit of a race over that green tarmac out on the right-hand side, no more. Uh, There will be drivers who are so, I mean, you've got to remember, you know, even British, even, you know, British domestic series have a bit of a recce over to Spa. You know, it's a, it's a, a racetrack we're all in the rhythm of over so many years. And so, there will be drivers who are so used to driving the rhythm of a spa, they will actually make mistakes due to familiarity, make mistakes due to bad muscle memory, if you like, um, which I think will be interesting to see uh, and see who can adapt in the early stages. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing Formula 2 cars running right around uh, the spa spa circuit this weekend. Um, let's talk about the, the championship battle then, obviously. Um, yeah, Felipe Drogovic, Tara Porsche, Almost probably, you know, stretching clear of the rest last time out. How important are is is this, is this weekend and the next three weekends really, Alex, for for Felipe Dragovic and Tara Porsche? And we'll put we'll put Logan Sargent in that category as well. In terms of, there's a lot of uncertainty around Formula One seats in the driver market at the moment. Uh, could is it as simple as you know, three good weekends for for one of those drivers? You know, catapults them into the serious conversations for a Formula One seat, or three bad weekends kind of rules them out of of a future in Formula One. I think it's a different three races for Felipe Drogovic than it is for the other two, to be honest, because he's not affiliated to any kind of driver uh, program. It's a really weird situation. I mean, he's one of the most experienced Formula Two drivers of all time, actually now, um, and so he's 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 sitting in that role of the driver who has a lot of races behind him and is is now you know pushing for a Formula Two championship victory. What will that mean for him? Will it get him a seat in Formula One? Maybe, but it's going to have to... I think for Felipe Dragovic now, he has to deliver something spectacular. He has to deliver a whitewash through to the end of the year. And it has to be very impressive um, to, to to really hook in to to one of those programmes and enter through the side door, if you like, of, 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 the, of the driver market. I mean... 
Uh, the other two, you know, you've got Teo who has uh, the uh, so much help in in the in the governance of Sauber. Uh, Logan Williams Capito always saying how impressed they are with him. So those two have got to deliver a meritorious performance. Um, yeah, it's big for all three. Nobody knows what's going to go on with Oscar Piastri. Nobody knows where the seats are going to fall. The front of the grid is kind of gridlocked out, isn't it? And now all of the all of the jockeying are over those kind of mid grid seats. So yes, delivery time, isn't it? It really is. It's unbelievable that a driver that uh, has never driven a Formula One race is uh, causing uh, yeah quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of drama in that in Formula One. But let's wait and see how that in- unfolds. Uh, Lawrence, we speak so often, don't we, about the the momentum in motorsport and particularly in Formula Two. We saw Mick Schumacher in 2020 carry that momentum into uh, the second half of the season or the latter half of the season, definitely to, to go on and win the championship. Is that something that Teo Porsche has maybe now compared to Felipe Dragovic after the last round or two? I think so. It's He's certainly had a good last couple of rounds in France and Hungary, while Dragovic and particularly Logan Sargent have had a really, really tough time of it and just have struggled to accrue the points that that um, that Porsche has. But it also depends on, on other drivers. It's not just a question of his momentum. How will Dragovic, how will sergeant respond we saw oasa perform so well in in france will he start to find that that consistency that that alex spoke about so there are so many factors thrown in there and i think although he has some momentum all the other drivers had that chance to have the summer break and sort of reset going into the next round in in spa so i think it will be game on again all of the top three will be coming out guns blazing and it'll be a i hope at least it'll be a proper battle to to the finish and we talk about how how poor chair how his chances are for a formula one seat in the future i think having a proper battle with Drogovic and winning in a season where there's someone as talented and as experienced as Drogovic as there is competition i think that can be a really good thing for for poor chair if, if Drogovic completely goes off the boil and fails to score points and, and poor chair wins it doesn't quite give it that level of prestige. So I think for all the drivers, not just for us spectators, I hope that they, they'll all turn up in a big way and there'll be a proper fight towards the end of the season. Yeah, completely agree. Looking forward to, to seeing those two really, really battle it out. I think that'd be great for from a fan's perspective, definitely. Um, Aaron, uh, a few other drivers with momentum. We've already mentioned Enzo Fittipaldi, obviously in a, a great vein of form at the, the, at the moment. Uh, Frederick Vesti with a bit of momentum now as well, and obviously Yumi Oasa as well. There's 15 points separating Enzo Fittipaldi in P4 uh, and Yuri Vips in P10. I mean, that shows how, how competitive Formula 2 is, doesn't it? I guess any one of those those drivers will will fancy their, their their chances of a top five finish, right? Yeah, like you say, momentum is well talked about within sport, and you're either riding its wave or you're searching for a way to build it as you as you go through your competition. And the, with the way that the Formula Two calendar is set up this year, you've got a mini sprint of three races in three weekends, and it could be make or break. And there's a massive gap then to the end of November and Abu Dhabi. So if you can get a real hustle on now and deliver some big points, it can transform your championship uh, prospects for the rest of the season. And that might be with the top three actually winning the series, or if you're a little bit further behind, you know, being best of the rest, getting into the top five. And 
Yeah, for a driver like Enzo Fittipaldi, I don't think anyone expected him to be top five material this season for various different reasons. But he has performed absolutely brilliantly. But I would actually say it's most important for Frederick Vesti to find good momentum because within the ART team, they're obviously going for the team's championship, but they've got uh, Theo Pocher at the front as well in the driver's championship. So if he is pushing Theo along, then that could mean that, first of all, Theo's performance is much stronger and that then Frederick Vesti can take points away from Felipe Drogovic to help both the team and the drivers. They, I know it's sort of an individual sport in, in the way that they play this rather than a team way in Formula One, but they've almost got to play the team game between those two and make sure that they're both delivering to maximise uh, their chances for the team's championship and for Theo Pocher. Yeah, one hundred percent, and I think those drivers will, uh, yeah, all be all be hoping for for a good round this weekend. Okay, uh, a few weeks ago on the F two show, we offered you guys, our fans, the opportunity to win a brilliant prize, a Liam Lawson signed driver card. Uh, all you had to do was tell us how many points Carlin had so far this season, and tag a friend on the social media channel that you were answering on. We had so many of you enter and answer the question correctly. So well done to all of you guys. But unfortunately, there can only be a few winners. We used a wheel to select the winners at random. Uh, head over to our social media channels to see the winners announced. Congratulations to all of our winners. Uh, and we'll be reaching out to you via DM over the next coming days to work out how we can get them sent out to you guys. And keep an eye out on our social media channels as well for more competitions coming your way over the coming weeks and months. And you never know, you might be able to uh, get a dinner, dinner date maybe with Alex Brundle as our next prize. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, wait and see on that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. very busy. Oh, very yeah. busy. <laughs> He's a busy man. <laughs> Okay, moving on then. Uh, Lerim Zendeli uh, is back in Formula 2, replaces Oli Caldwell at Campos for this weekend uh, after, yeah, Oli Caldwell picks up 12 penalty points, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, excited to see Lerim Zendeli back? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to to see what he can what he can do. We see these driver changes happening so often in Formula 2, so how a new driver steps in competes against against their teammate perhaps will give us a better idea of how Ollie Caldwell was actually performing when someone who's had Formula 2 experience goes and steps back into that seat. Yeah, excited to see him back this weekend. Alex, it's a, a, a debate we've had a few times on the show this year, so I'm interested to get your your take on it. Should drivers yeah. be receiving a penalty point, oh, so penalty points on top of the five-second penalty that they're receiving in race for track limits. Is that a little bit harsh to, to give them a penalty point as well, obviously, from a driver's perspective? Yeah, I was going to chip in. I, I thought the question I thought the question might come. I was going to chip in. I, I don't actually. I don't think it's fair. Um, you know, what, what you're talking about there is a, is a competition point for me. Uh, you know, you're not really talking about an indiscretion. You haven't necessarily directly affected anybody else's race it's a little bit like um sort of uh, disqualifying roger federer from wimbledon for you know uh, faulting too many serves isn't it you're the penalties are there for a reason because you know the, the tracks don't have enough gravel around them uh that's that's the reason they're there um the uh, but the drivers fall foul of them. They're trying to run the cars to the absolute limit. Yeah, they get the penalty, they get the penalty. But I don't see why that they should lose uh, the opportunity to compete in future rounds. No. 
it's a difficult one, isn't it? And, and we've had yeah, we had loads of different opinions on it uh, so far this season. A few people saying uh, that you know they're professional drivers and they should be able to keep the the, the car within the limits. But yeah, for for me as well, it, it just seems a bit hard. You know, one or the other maybe. I mean, I mean the five second penalty in race seems seems pretty sufficient enough to me. But uh, yeah, to to get that on top of and and Ollie Caldwell. Uh, majority of his penalty points this season have been for track limits, which uh, it is a shame to see him miss miss the round, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, and when you say it like that, he's you know just strayed. You know, it could be as much as one millimeter every time, and it adds up to a total of twelve millimeters that he's gone too far, and that's not really. And I know this is probably going to annoy a few people. But that's not in the spirit of racing or the rules. That's not how they're supposed to be. Uh, applied, you know, if if someone's making obvious Fernando Alonso style corner cuts um, and breaking rules, and if you've done something that's worthy of pen- penalty points, then you know, fair enough. If you like speeding into the pit lane, it's a slam dunk. It's a safety issue. If you go too fast, that's it. End of story. But track limits, as Alex said, the gravel is there to stop drivers exceeding the track limits and taking liberties should be should be should, should be, be. There. they're they're at spa now <laughs> as you've given us the inside scoop on that yeah. so the gravel should be there to stop the drivers doing this and then there'll be nothing to argue about because you know where the limit is and if you go past it you're punished anyway because you you pick up a puncture you go off you spin you're out of the race you know if you if you're allowed to do it if you allow them to do it they're going to do it at the end of the day at aaron harper 41 on twitter if you disagree with him on that, on that <laughs> <Come one. at laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't i'm right behind you i mean um yeah re- realistically the the tracks the circuits need to punish the drivers uh inherently uh for for making these errors and then that would save us a whole lot of paper wouldn't it I mean, you're you're looking at you know every single Formula One driver on the grid last year received a track limits penalty at some point. So either your contention is they're all rubbish and incapable of driving, or they're shooting to get their cars within millimeters of the limit because that's the fastest way round. And goodness me, sometimes they miss. Um, so it's it, it's a part of the sport. It's a nice band aid to uh, to punish the drivers but with penalties for 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 missing the track limits but we need to progressively move towards circuits that are while remaining safe uh naturally defend their own limits yeah completely agree and um yeah i, I hope we see that moving forwards because we don't want to see uh drivers missing rounds uh yeah for for, for things they've already been penalized for so okay let's stick with campos then obviously ralph boshong uh missed the few uh, the last few rounds due to injury absolutely gutted as well because we're, we're we're yeah big ralph boshong fans i know jim kimberley's a big uh, ralph boshong fan as well um how how frustrating is that for him aaron he, he had such a good season last season didn't he yeah yeah obviously hoping to see him back over the next few rounds, but I, I, yeah, not sure it's looking that way at the moment. No, I mean, I did a little bit of research um, before this about his injury. So if, if you just bear with me a moment, I'll read it. Uh, facet joint syndrome, this is for anyone who's not aware of what uh, Ralph Boshong is suffering with. It's an arthritis-like condition of the spine that can be a significant source of back pain and neck pain. It's caused by degenerative changes in the joints between the spine bones. So the cartilage in the facet joint can break down and become inflamed 
triggering pain signals in the nearby nerve endings, uh, medication, physical therapy, joint injections, nerve blocks, and nerve ablations may be used to manage the symptoms. Chronic symptoms may require surgery to fuse the joint. So if you put, if you look at that, you can instantly understand exactly how discomforting that would just be in everyday life. Um, a, a real main mainstream example of someone having a uh, an injury that debilitated their their home life is Andy Murray with his hip. So, you know, these are competitive sportsmen, but they have to put their their long-term health first. And let's say, Ralph, the crash he had at um, Baku, he was very lucky to escape from that. But that's where we're very fortunate that we have the, the hands devices and the halos and all these safety improvements that have come. And we, we spoke about safety earlier. And sometimes you just have to take the situation to, into your own hands. And it's really frustrating for, for Ralph because he was driving so well last year, last year, as you said. He had a really strong start to the season. He had two-fourths and a P3 from the first uh, six races. And then he had the, the issues with the neck. And also, Campos have suffered from this because they were getting a reliable performer and a really solid benchmark for Ollie Caldwell, who is a rookie. So that is, you know, that, that distorts the picture of where his development is. Yes, they've brought in... Roberto Mary, but he's been out of the picture for a little while, so he's got to get up to speed, and it's, it's just all a little bit confusing uh, for, for Campos, because they don't then know quite where their car is and their setup is. But obviously for, for Ralph Boschong, it's incredibly frustrating, because he's a racing driver, and he wants to go out and race, and it's not just lack of funding, it's not just lack of available seats. It's a physical limitation that he has to go through and deal with and you know we wish him all the best and hope he gets well soon yeah definitely echoed that um lawrence chembolic bassi uh i mean i'm 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 no investigator but we obviously i think a lot of people have noticed that uh Charisse have have taken them out of uh, their his name out of their instagram bio uh is that because he's potentially off to campos obviously uh roberto Meri uh, signed up to to super gt for the season there's a super gt race this weekend is it is he off to campus campos and in which case will uh david beckman jump in the Charisse to replace him it, it could well be, first of all, if, if Bolk Bassi is, is leaving Chiruz, I would certainly hope that he's moving to another team rather than leaving Formula 2 altogether. I think he's had a really tough time of it this year. His crashes in Jeddah and in Barcelona in, in testing, uh, mid-season testing, and a few racing incidents have really hampered him this season where he's coming in as a rookie, he's learning the car, he's trying to gain more experience. And overall, if you look at it, his teammate who has obviously a bit more experienced than him, has beaten him really comprehensively this season. Fittipaldi's had a, a really impressive season. And against that, Bollock-Bassi hasn't performed as well for, for obvious reasons, in, in, in all fairness to him. Um, but we know how unforgiving the world of Formula 2 can be. But I certainly hope there's an opportunity for, for him elsewhere and, and the potential for David Beckman to, to come and jump back in and, and fill that gap. I think a lot of people would in, enjoy to see because he had his time in Formula 2 cut short at points and had to move around teams. So for him to be back in a car and back demonstrating his talent well, would be a real pleasure to see, I think. So So who knows? Hopefully we can keep those those talented drivers in. And also for Jem Bollock-Bassi is coming up as a, as, a, as a sim driver and then moving into into 
real in inverted commas racing it's a really interesting sort of um project and it would be unfair for it to end now before he's had the proper chance to to prove himself yeah, Aaron might have uh, raced against him back in the day on uh, on, the, on the F1 game. Um, Lawrence, uh, it, would, would it have been harsh on, on, on Bollock Bassey if... Uh, well, would it be harsh on Bollock Bassey if, if he was to be dropped completely and didn't have a seat for, for this weekend, potentially the rest of the season? Would that be harsh or... Um, he's, he's done all right this season, no? Yeah, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to judge because he has had a couple of incidents and those, those crashes, particularly the crash in, in Jeddah so early on, and it's such a hard impact and how that affects your confidence as a, as a driver is something that I, you know, I, I will never fully be able to appreciate, especially as you're, you're starting to build up that experience. So he, it feels like he hasn't really had a fair, a fair run at it, particularly this season. And so I, I think it would be quite harsh, but again, harsher decisions have been made in the sport. Yeah, let's wait and see. Uh, I guarantee, by the way, that when this podcast is released, there'll have already been an announcement saying that uh, he's gone here, he's gone here, etc. And we've got it all wrong. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's wait and see on that one. Uh, question time. Aaron, I think you've got a uh, few questions. Is that yes, right? I, I, uh, I've got a couple of questions for Alex. So the first one's a two-part one, and you'll be pleased to know the second one is much more straightforward. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the first one is, which driver have you raced with or against that you thought was certain to end up in Formula One, but hasn't? Or have you met a sports car driver since you graduated from the junior formula that has made you think that they have the skills to go into Formula One? Oh, so many. So, so many. Yeah, they're about... I would say I, w- I, would say I, could, make a, I could make a Formula One grid of sports car drivers. Maybe I'm just deluded. I don't know, but I, I feel... Um, yeah, but, but I've seen drivers come back and forth from actually, you know, LMP2 to Formula One and back again. K-Mag is the one which jumps immediately to mine, but there have been others. Fernando Alonso had a go once. Um, yeah, guys like Rene Rast, uh, Robin Freund. You know, you, you look at the guys who have uh, jumped in cars and, and Rene Rast just uh, wins everything he's ever done. Um it's very interesting. I was talking to somebody about this the other day and that, you know, you'll you'll really hang on to those guys. You'll be about the same as them uh, for, for a, almost an entire season sometimes. And then they have a couple of moments where they pull out a lap and it's like, how did that happen? Like, what, 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 where did that come from? Uh, and those two guys I've just noted are, are two of those guys. Felix Rosenquist is also excellent. Um, Antonio Felix da Costa, I believe, uh, deserved an opportunity in, in Formula One. Um, so, yes, so, so many. Um, I, I came through GP3. I was just leaving GP3 as uh, Danny Kvyat was, was coming through. Bottas was just before me. Um, so, yeah, those guys were in our, in our kind of sphere. But, yeah, those sports car drivers, guys like Earl Bamber, who just never even went in that direction, I believe, were, are more than capable of, of performing in a Formula 1 car. Interesting, interesting. And the second question, much more straightforward, is have you found Omar Safna? How have I found no, him? Have you or... found him? Have I, <laughs> have I found him? Uh, yeah, well, I have managers to do that. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I, I, no, I haven't, actually, at this, at this moment. But... Um, I, I bet he's got a. He, he just seems to be. He just seems to be engaged the whole time. 
can't get through. Um, yeah, it's ve- it's so interesting um, that you know sequence of of uh, that sequence of events, and I believe we as sort of fans, observers, journalists, whatever you you know, whatever the way you come to the sport, will never. There are going to be about four people who actually know what's played out uh, in, in that scenario. Um, what I do hope is that Oscar gets a run in a Formula One car because I like to see how he does. Just for, you know, not for his sake, purely for my sake. I'm just interested <laughs> to, to, to see to see to see how he does. And I, and I think that um, feeder series need that. Uh, the, the 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 F the road to F1 needs that. Uh, so I really hope he doesn't, through trying to negotiate the best deal for himself, actually end up generating a crack and then falling through it. Um, because it looks like that might be a possibility. And for his sake, I really hope it's not. Who who do you think, Alex, if uh, if you had to make a prediction, where, well, where do you think Oscar Piastri will be in 2023? Um, I think look, looking at the, you know, when, when it comes down to the contractual stuff and I, and I to, to be make it absolutely clear, I believe it's under a considerable um, legal discussion. So I know I know nothing uh, of, of said legal discussion. I'm purely uh, a speculating uh, a commentator observer. Um, I believe that drivers end up generally where they want to drive and where the teams want them to drive. And that for the reason that it's actually, when you think it through, not particularly prudent or safe to ask drivers to drive for teams they didn't actually expressly want to drive for. Um, and, for and for that reason, I, I think he's very likely to end up uh, at McLaren, where where I believe he, he, would, he wants to be. Um, but like I say... I know nothing uh, about that. That's purely a, a, a speculative based on a little bit of experience of being a driver and doing contracts to drive racing cars. That's what I would suggest. Yeah, it'd be a great benchmark to go up against Lando Norris in, in his first season as well, wouldn't it? So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to seeing how that unfolds. Okay, that's all we have time for today. My thanks to Alex, to Aaron, and to Lawrence for joining me on today's show. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like, subscribe for more Formula 2 content. Let us know what your thoughts are are in the comments uh, and let us know on social media as well. Hashtag the F2 show. But from me, Fraser Ford and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.